0: The reading tonight is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 to 25. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him.
1: Unusually, perhaps for uh, the time when I finished school, I had a gap year and I had an absolute brilliant time on my gap year, doing all sorts of different things. Uh, but when I got to uni, I loved that too. I got stuck in, I enjoyed my course, I made friends, uh, and you know, soon I felt that I'd been there for centuries. Um, but that didn't mean that life uh, always went smoothly or that life was always easy or straightforward all of the time. In fact, during my second year at university, I actually hit a really dark place in my life emotionally. If you'd have met me on the campus at the university I went with, you'd have thought, oh, there's Libby, you know, just everything seems fine. And in lots of ways, it was. I was enjoying my course. I had people to hang out with. Things were fine on the surface. But if you just scratched a little bit below the surface, you would have found somebody who had a deep unease. Uh, with herself and a real uh, sadness deep within myself. I'd struggled um, for the, perhaps the previous uh, six years with issues around food and eating. Um, and when I was down, I found myself slipping back into those old habits and ways of thinking and ways of not eating or eating or obsessing uh, about food, ways of behaving. And during my second year at university, that all came back with real vengeance. Now, as I look back now, with the benefit of hindsight, I can see what was going on in my life at that point. I felt that I didn't belong to anybody. And I think that was really at the core of what was going on in my life at that time. I felt that I didn't belong to anyone or to anywhere in particular. Uh, I had two best friends at university, Claire and Emma. They're still really close friends of mine. And they'd gone for years abroad in the second year at university. And even though I had other friends as well, people I could hang out with, go for coffee with, go to the bar with, whatever, there weren't people that really knew me and I could be really real with. And that left me with this deep sense of unease and not belonging. And I just started this downward spiral of feeling rubbish about myself and my life. And what that resulted in is me hating myself and how I looked, and I would literally leave notes for myself around my mirror, which I'm really embarrassed about now, because they were really unpleasant things to say about myself. And I just started this downward spiral of obsessing again about food and what I ate or what I didn't eat and the way that I was behaving with regard to myself. And as I look back at that time, uh, the key thing that was missing, apart from my two really close friends, those people that really knew me, was also a cause as well. When I'd been on my gap year, uh, I'd been involved in running a massive project for young people in Bradford, uh, which was where I was from. I'd put all my energies into that, and I was also really involved in running a charity that sent disadvantaged young people on Christian holidays. That had taken all my energies, all my passions had been uh, put into that, and that meant that everything else was going well. I then got to university and immediately had been pulled into uh, different parts of mission and evangelism at university and had helped organise a year long programme of events at the university I was at. And that had finished around the February of my second year. And so here I was just after that, completely adrift, feeling lonely rubbish about myself, like I didn't have any purpose and that I just didn't belong anywhere. And I got into a really dark place in my life. It was only a conversation with my mum. You know, one of those conversations you have where you're going for a walk and my mum sort of turned around and said, come on Libby, what's going on? Something is wrong. And at that moment, I admitted uh, where I was at in my life. And when I said it, when I told my mum what was going on, it almost became real and I was able to tackle the deep issues that were going on for me. I confronted the reality of the situation and it was at that point uh, that it felt that God opened a door for me uh, to begin to put things back together again. And I remember one evening just after that walk with my mum and I was back at university and I was lying face down on my bed and I was literally crying out to God. And I was just saying, God, look, here I am. I'm a mess. I need you to sort me out, put me back together again. I need to know your love right deep inside me again. And I had one of those really profound sort of epiphany God moments where I just felt God showing me and drenching me with his love like never before. And I had a real sense of God saying to me, you are my child, you belong to me, I love you, I love you. And that moment and that day, God did something really incredible in me and transformed me almost from the inside out. He transformed literally my attitude to food, changed that day and hasn't been the same since. God healed me in that moment and changed my whole attitude to, to, um, to food. But also, I knew his love deep in my life in a way that I had never known before. And even though the, the rest of that year wasn't easy, my two best friends were still abroad, um, I had a deep sense of belonging to God for that rest of that year and since. A deep sense that Jesus just loved me for who I am, whatever I looked like. Whatever was going on for me, he just loved me for who I am. And even though I still needed other people, because we're built to relate with other people, it was that knowledge that I am deeply known and loved by Jesus and belong to him that changed everything. Jesus called me from the place that I was in, a really bad place, to a new place, a new relationship with him. In uh, his book, Utopian Dreams, uh, Tobias James uh, sets out on a year-long journey to try and discover why, in our affluent Western culture, we're often so unhappy and dissatisfied with our lot, the life that we have. In this book, which is often described as like a philosophical travel journal, uh, Jones is expressing his discontent at the loss of community and belonging in our society and says this, Our society is by now so atomised, privatised and individualised that most people under, say, 30 have no idea of what a community, a real community, is truly like. So according to Jones, people today have no idea what community or a real community is truly like. But I think that perhaps for those of us, um, not me, under 30, uh, we would probably disagree with this statement. Yes, society is different from 30 years ago. Communities are different, but they still exist and will continue to exist as long as there are people who need relationship with each other. Because, in our deepest core as human beings, we want to connect with other people, don't we? We want relationship, we want community, we want to belong. We want to belong, we want to know and to be known. And that was at the core of what was going on for me in that second year at university. Jump to now and the presence of the internet, the ease of international travel and the lack of geographical boundaries uh, we exist with today are a blessing, aren't they? They give us so many new opportunities, but they can also be a curse as well in terms of fulfilling our need for belonging. On the downside, the ease of cyberspace relationships, we mean we can have face-to-face contacts without ever meeting anybody or having any sort of physical intimacy we whatsapp we message we text we instagram rather than having that face-to-face conversation society and life can be individualized and communities and families can be dispersed uh, by social media some may argue Uh, and sometimes relationships just become easier as well as harder the sorts of communities that used to exist, that provided a space, a place of belonging, are changed beyond recognition. And yet, at the same time today, new communities are being created in ways like never before. I have a friend called Tight, and uh, this is his website. Um, that's actually an outline. If you look at the top of the, the screen, there's a little red. That's that's his outline um, there. Um, he's Tight is a beatboxing vicar, uh, If you've ever met him, he's he like the coolest, one of the coolest people I know. I have to say, he's like hip hop beatbox vicar. and he runs uh, an online internet community for beatboxers around the world. It's an incredible thing. These are people who who are individuals around the world who have perhaps been the only person they know who spend their time making weird noises with their voices. And then suddenly they come together and meet each other and find each other. And he creates this community, a space for people to relate to each other who are into beatboxing. But also as part of this this website, he also um, relates to people and talks to them about issues of faith or pastors them if they're going through tough times in their life. It's almost like a support network as well. And in that little corner of cyberspace, humanbeatbox.com, those people find a place of belonging and shared experience and authenticity, a place where people understand them. I belong to a couple of friendship groups where, because of the way that we're dispersed around the country, uh, we just don't get to meet up as groups very often. But we share the ups and downs of life together in a really real way through the joy of WhatsApp. We've, um, we've got a real commitment to each other to share what's going on in our lives. I'll just give you an example of it. One of uh, my dearest friends, Austin, uh, this week, his cousin, was a 23-year-old 20, cousin of his, was involved in a horrendous accident. Um, She's an international rower. She rows for Ireland and um, fractured her skull very badly. And through this week, Austin's been um, WhatsApping our group, just keeping us up to date with what's going on. And he was doing it, not just go, oh, let me tell you, because he wanted us to share with him, to share this thing, this terrible traumatic time he was going through in his life and to ask us to pray for his cousin. And this Friday, um, his cousin actually died. Uh, They had to turn off her life support machine. Uh, And via WhatsApp, we were able to support Austin through that really difficult time together. We were able to share that tragedy with him. And so, when we do get together, uh, the friends that I have these WhatsApp groups with, we're still completely connected with each other's lives. We belong to each other. You know, we don't live in the same town. We don't have that traditional sense of community, nipping out of each other's houses or having dinner together or whatever. But these are really important friendships with me because I belong to my friends and they belong to me as well. And so we want to belong, don't we? We need to belong. And the world we, we live in can, on the one hand, Give us this sense of belonging to many, many different groups. And yet at the same time, it can feel like it's working against us to achieve any sense of belonging or community. But right into the heart of our lonely, fractured, diverse, fast-paced, exciting, love-filled, friendship-filled, connected and disconnected lives, Jesus comes And he simply stands before us and says, come, follow me. You belong to me. It's with me that you'll find your deepest need for connection, for community, for belonging met. And this message of Jesus, come, follow me, has been right at the heart of who Jesus is and how he's operated for the last 2,000 years as he walked the streets of Judea and Galilee He was just simply saying come follow me and he says the same to us today and so let's have a look now at this passage uh, from matthew chapter 4 to find out how he does this firstly he just literally goes up to people and says come and follow me i love this encounter uh, with simon called peter and andrew on the the shores of lake galilee Uh, These blokes are living a a complete hand-to-mouth existence. You know, being a fisherman was really tough going. Every day you had to go out in all weathers, like you do nowadays as well, uh, to make enough, literally, to live on. They didn't exactly have a luxurious life. Uh, They had to just provide for their families day to day. And yet one day we read that these guys are on the edge of the the Sea of Galilee, uh, once again casting their nets out as they do every day, aiming to bring in enough fish to survive another day or another week, when Jesus appears and says to them, follow me, follow me. Remember, they would have done this job with the same people in the same community, day after day after day. Their fathers would have done the same job in the same community, day after day after day. There was little chance that they would have traveled any further than the next town. This place, this community, this people was really all they knew. It was where they belonged and had their sense of belonging. And yet there was something about Jesus, his person, his presence, that made them just leave everything. Matthew says that they abandoned their nets and followed him. They didn't just go, oh, just wait a second, Jesus, I'm just gonna haul in my nets and fold them up nicely so they're all right for the next person, Uh, and when I come back in a month's time, they'll be all there. Matthew says they abandoned their nets and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus walks further down the the lake and he sees James and John also out on their boat (laughs) doing a bit of fishing. And he calls them. uh, And they do. They don't just leave their nets lit this time, but they leave their father as well. Uh, Matthew says "At once they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus calls these guys to step out of the boat and follow him. And they do There's something about Jesus that means they abandon all their security, all their livelihood, all their known world, their community, all they know to belong to him. What did they know of him? What did they see in him? What attraction was around him? What authority in his voice? What future did they see in him that James and John and Peter and Andrew put their faith and hope and trust completely in Jesus? Was it that they saw love personified? Was there just a magnetism around him? Did he have like this incredible aura around him? What was it that made them step out of that boat? Leave everything they belonged to, to follow Jesus, to belong to Jesus? Was it that in Jesus they simply saw God? The Spanish have a story, uh, it might be one that you've heard before, of a father and a son uh, that became estranged. The son left home, and uh, after some time, the father longed to have his son back in his life. He longed to be reunited for his son, and he searched all over the place, uh, but had no success in finding his son. Finally, in desperation, uh, the father turned to the newspaper, the national newspaper, for help, and he put an ad in that newspaper and it simply read this dear Paco meet me in front of this newspaper office and at noon on Saturday all is forgiven I love you your father on Saturday the father was stood there waiting just hoping that perhaps Paco uh, would have read the newspaper and seen his ad and 80 young men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness, looking for the love of their father. All those Pacos just wanted to belong, didn't they? They wanted to belong to their father, to their family, to be reunited. And we all have a deep desire within us to belong. Maybe that's a desire that God has put there, uh, there in us, to want to be reunited, to be forgiven, to be loved, to be brought back into the community again. I don't know what your family is like. Perhaps your family is a great place to be, or maybe it's a bit of a difficult place to be, and maybe you just get on really well. My family is completely weird. Uh, I think most families are, aren't they, really? The more I meet people, the more I realise that everybody's family's a bit weird, aren't they? Uh, but mine is particularly weird. Um, uh, and that's probably because my dad ran off with my mum's best friend who happened to be our vicar's wife uh, when I was 15. I, you can ask more about that story if you want later. It's funny that was laughed. <laughs> it is quite funny, I suppose. Um, but, <laughs> but during that time, I felt like the two places that I really belonged, my church and my family, were completely trashed during that time in my life. Um, And even though now I have a really good relationship with my dad, um, it it hasn't always been plain sailing over the years that have ensued. And it's meant that I've struggled with lots of things in my life, uh, maybe that I wouldn't have done if my dad hadn't run off with the vicar's wife. But as I look back at that time and my life since, I know that however tough things were at that point, and have been since in the ups and downs that life that life brings us. God has always held on to me, and when it came to the crunch, I've always known, in, even in my lowest points of life, that I am a child of God, that I belong to God. That's why I have family, where I have belonging, where I'm known. When we accept Christ and we say yes to Him. Uh, like those first disciples did when they got out of the boat to follow him, then we belong to him. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is 1 John 3 verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's the person next to you. That's you. That's somebody you struggle with in relationship. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And this is the right that we receive as Christians, to be called children of God, to belong to him and receive the awesome inheritance of sharing our lives with him now and also having eternal life with him in the future as well. But also as children of God, we have the awesome privilege of joining in the family business, the family business of joining in Jesus uh, with his mission. So, I often wonder why when Jesus calls out those fishermen from their boat and when he says to them, follow me, that they just did it. Why did they just leave their boats, their livelihoods, their fathers, their communities, their homes? What was it? Well, I think the key is, what, is in what Jesus says next. He says, follow me, because from now on you're going to be catching people or fishes of men, depending on which version of the Bible you're going to be reading from. Probably just asking them to follow him would have probably been enough. But now he's giving them a purpose, a cause as well. Come with me because now you're going to join with me on my mission. We're going to be catching uh, people now. Just think about it for a moment. Those disciples followed Jesus because he asked them to join him on this incredible adventure. To join him in his cause. And once they've made that leap and made that commitment to get out of the boat and go with him, it was then that they started to have this sense of belonging. Think of the people and the places, the things that have given you a sense of belonging in your life. I expect most included some cause or purpose that bound you together with the people that you were sharing that experience with. Maybe it was a social action group, uh, something that was work, where you were working together to make a difference to people's lives. Maybe it just is your family. We belong to a family because we have a purpose. It might simply be to journey through life together and share a relationship with each other. Uh, this picture coming off on the screen is my friend Julie. Uh, she's quite an amazing woman. And, uh, and she's a really good friend of mine. And um, her daughter, Emily died when she was three years old of uh, a brain tumour. And Julie has committed a huge amount of time and energy uh, over the last 20 years in fundraising for different uh, children's cancer charities. And she's an incredible fundraiser and an incredible personality as well. And she's literally raised hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. But if you meet Julie and you meet the friends, the people that she spends her time with, um, You'll find out that actually all her closest friends are people who have joined her cause over the last 20 years. And they have been taken by her cause and joined her in fundraising and raising awareness. And they found their sense of belonging to each other in that as well. Uh, Their cause gives them a community and a sense of belonging. And don't we see that replicated in hundreds and thousands of different situations and places and groups and scenarios around the world? A cause brings people together and bonds them together. It gives them a sense of belonging. Right from the beginning, Jesus includes people in his mission. He's saying to these guys, come, leave your nets, follow me and join with me in my cause. Join with me in the mission that God has given us to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. At this stage, all they know is that they're being asked, being included in something bigger. But it becomes something world-changing and life-changing for them and many, many others after them. And so they go and they begin to share life with Jesus. And almost immediately they jump ship. They begin to see what Jesus' cause looks like because in verse uh, 21 and onwards, we find out things like Jesus healed every disease and every illness amongst the people. Word spread that this man could heal, could transform life. And so crowds from all over the area start to seek out Jesus, to follow him. In the healings, people saw God's kingdom unleashed. And it was this that those first followers of Jesus found themselves caught up in something wild, something uncontrollable, something life-filled, something unexpected. As they witnessed the power of God change people's lives and theirs too, they committed more and more every day to the cause. They built community with each other and they belonged to each other and to Jesus. Jesus calls you and I to follow him, to leave our nets, to join in his mission, his cause, to be part of a community of believers, which is what a church is, to belong to him. But this was not and never is and never will be an easy thing to do or a comfortable place to be. Too often you hear people saying, don't you, that they want to belong to a church that they feel comfortable in, that makes them feel good. Yet if you find a church that you uh, you feel comfortable with, You're not necessarily in a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus, because the gospel of Jesus, Jesus' cause, is often uncomfortable. You see, the gospel of Jesus challenges us out of our comfort zones. It starts by saying, get out of your boat and follow me. It says, come and join this cause, a cause which is not for the faint-hearted. Because firstly, it's about deciding to step out of the boat and following Jesus. And therefore, it's about handing over control of your life to Jesus rather than keeping it for, for ourselves. It's about then allowing Jesus to love you and heal you and forgive you. And then joining Jesus on his course is often uncomfortable, because it might mean that you have to give of yourself in some way, or give of your wealth, or he asks you to stand up for the oppressed and seek justice. Or he might want you to forgive even your enemies, the people you struggle with in your life. Or he says, go out and love and serve people, even the unlovable. Or he says, you know, it's not just this gospel is not just for you and for people like you, but it's for people that are really not like you and you struggle with as well. And he says, swing wide the doors and welcome in everybody, even the people that you find most difficult. Following Jesus is often uncomfortable, as those first disciples went on to find out in their lives. But ultimately, they never look back. Because belonging to Jesus was worth it. Just as we finish this evening, I want us to look at this picture. It's just a snowflake. And it's a stunning and beautiful thing, isn't it? Someone once said that the snowflake is one of nature's most fragile things. And it might be that your life, your faith, your belief in Jesus feels a little bit like this snowflake at the moment. But just look at what happens when you get a few snowflakes that stick together. When snowflakes stick together, they're incredible power, incredibly powerful and beautiful, aren't they? When I was in that dark place that I spoke about right at the beginning, I pretty much felt as fragile as that first single snowflake. But when I lifted my head up and I recognised that I belonged to Jesus that I am his child and I belong to the family of God and received his healing. It was a liberating, a life-changing moment. It was like a whole bunch of other snowflakes came and, you know, attached themselves to me and gave me strength to carry on. For some of us here, we might need to know that we're not on our own, that we belong, that we're loved by the creator of the universe that you're loved by Jesus so much that he died on a cross for you and then conquered death and rose again so that you could have life with him forever. You might need to know that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Jesus is calling each of us, come follow me, come and join me.